0: This Choircast podcast episode is brought to you by the Messy Spirituality Podcast. Hey, this is Jason Elam. Join Lola Robbins, Kyle Butler, and me for the Messy Spirituality Podcast, where we try to empower your spiritual evolution with honest conversation about how to be a better human, taking a critical look at toxic Bible stories, and look behind the headlines for growth opportunities underlying current events. Hey, it's a bisexual hairstylist who escaped a cult, a black mystic, and a recovering Southern Baptist preacher. What could possibly go wrong? Check out the Messy Spirituality Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: If the Bible's got you tied in knots, if you're burdened with religious thoughts, come grab a drink and join the choir. It's Heretic
2: Happy Hour. Yes, it is, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us here for the Heretic Happy Hour podcast. My name is Keith Giles. I am one of your co-hosts, author of the Jesus Un series and the recently released Sola Mysterium. And um, for this episode, I am joined by my co-hosts, the amazing Katie and Matt. Say hello.
0: Hello. Hi, everyone. I'm Katie Valentine. I'm the founder of the Metaphysical Christian Facebook community, mother of sex, slavery, and self-control, and here for another riveting episode.
3: So riveting. And I'm Matthew J. DeStefano, author of the recently released Learning to Float with Michelle Collins. And I, I don't know what... I got nothing else. I got, I got nothing else. We're done with our film series. And so I don't really know what we're doing here. Yeah, it's a little... uh I got to admit, it's a little lonely. Um, It's felt a little little
2: quiet lately. Yeah. Yes, that's a good word for it. It's been a little quiet,
3: actually. Katie and Keith, I love you both, but it's been different. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
0: It's true. I've missed like a solid kind of motherfucker coming into my (laughs) ears during our recording. I've not had that lately. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I I used to say a lot of... I, I felt like I cussed a lot until Derek was on the show. And then it was like, oh, Matt doesn't cuss ever. Yeah, so it's well, at a little less. Yeah, neither comparison. one of
0: you ever compare me to Missy Elliott.
2: <laughs> no, that's, and
0: that and probably did never twice. Happen. Yeah, no,
2: that probably it's... never happened again. <laughs> no,
0: it was, a, it was a compliment of my life there. <laughs>
3: that's great. The highlight of Katie's professional life.
0: Well, you know, it's also felt like we could use maybe a little more, you know, female empowerment
2: around um, here. Yeah, yeah. What do y'all think? I mean, like, like I've,
0: I've, I've towed the line, uh, done my part. Yeah. I don't know.
3: And now it's time to do bigger and better things, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Totally. So, so do we, uh, I think we, uh, we do have sort of an announcement, right? Like, um, we have been, while we were doing that film series, you know, we were, we were behind the scenes working diligently, uh, doing auditions, seeking out the perfect, you know, co-host to step in and take us to the next level, right? Take us to the future and beyond. To infinity and beyond, and so yeah, we I guess we should announce that we we do have someone. Yeah, we do someone to uh, a new person in the co-host chair.
3: Yes, 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 we do, and so we we'll have to we'll have to have our, our producer cue up a drum roll here.
4: Well, hi, y'all. My name is Shonda Ja. It is great to be with you to join the crew.
2: Yeah! the children are Thank happy. You, <laughs> you So a little, bit happy. About, a
4: little bit about me. I had so much fun being on the show. I have been a fan of the show for a long stretch and um a lot of people think that I am the friendliest anti-oppression consultant you'll ever come across, but the, what they don't know about me is that my Patronuses are Angry Little Asian Girl by Leela Lee and Angry Asian Man Phil You. So I hope to bring a little bit of uh, angry Asian energy into the space to play along with y'all.
3: I'm going to stop you right there and say that's a brilliant t-shirt that we need to make. <laughs>
2: <laughs> there you go. Put I that need down. to know what my Patronus is too. I need to know I, I, I need to know what a Patronus is. I
4: thought Derek gave you your Patronus.
0: Well the patron you have to get into the now turfy weird world of JK Rowling yeah. to really know what the Patronus is. So it's a mixed uh, bag. I, it's a mixed yes. bag. But um anyone who wants to hear Shonda's episode where she was the heretic of the week, um can go back to episode one twenty to You kicked off our decolonizing series.
2: That's right. It was such a fun series. Yeah. That was amazing. And we are super excited to have you uh, join us, Shonda, and very excited about what you're going to bring to the podcast. As Katie said, more female energy, which, you know, I I will admit, we definitely need more of that. So
3: after, yeah, after 130 some odd episodes, (laughs) it's finally time.
4: It's finally time. (laughs) Hey, if it was good enough for Jesus. That's
3: right.
4: (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yes. There you go. Well, speaking of,
0: speaking of, you got more? There's, I think there's more like Shonda's amazing, obviously, but yeah. we're not going to end there. um We have, we have yet another co-host um, waiting very patiently in the wings. So let's open up the door because um, there's room for five in here now.
3: Oh my gosh. Let's cue up another drum roll then. Who's behind door number five?
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would be December Rose. How y'all doing? I am so what? excited.
2: <laughs> awesome.
1: Hey, so um, my name is December Rose. I cannot be more excited to be joining Heretic Happy Hour. I am the author of a new release under choir. The church can go to hell. Uh, hey, it's hey. not a <laughs> 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 and also God does not want your bill money so you know if you hadn't get the theme there you know I'm, I'm tearing down some stuff I'm tearing down some stuff so I am so happy to be a uh, part of the show I'm just gonna be your resident happy black woman <laughs> 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 bringing you uh just the culture the laughter uh the perspective from where I come from coming from where I come from and um I'm so excited uh about joining the crew about talking. about about what we talk about, about tearing down legalism and all kind of things, about opening up people's minds to a greater uh, idea of what God is and who God is and how God is and all those kind of things like that. And I'm just here to have a great time, to talk, to learn, to inspire and be inspired, to educate and be educated, to know it and to get to know. So what we going to
2: do, I'm ready. Let's go. Oh, yeah. Get ready, everybody. <laughs> This is awesome. I this is amazing. What a dream come true. Yes. Not not one, but two new co hosts. So yes, it's getting crowded in here.
0: Yeah, and uh let me point everyone back to episode one thirty, which was from June seventh this year. That's where December was the amazing heretic of the week. Yeah. So we have a trend here both from are, Heretic yeah, both of are the recent. Week. Yeah.
3: Yeah, this is the this is the entry
2: point, yes. For all of you looking for our jobs, this is how to get in. <laughs> <Right. laughs> any, any hostile takeovers can start
0: there.
3: That's correct. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, I don't know if we, we we need to come up with like a jaw and a rose sort of thing because we had Valentine's Day, which kind of fit yeah. so yeah. perfectly. So we'll have to do a little wordplay sometime in the future. But mm. We'll just come up with something different. Yeah. Shonda and December, welcome. It's uh, truly an honor and we're excited. For this new chapter of Heritage Happy Hour, and so we're, I think, I think time will prove that we made uh, the right decision by having both of y'all here, and I'm loving the energy so far, and so welcome. Yes, welcome.
4: Thrilled
0: to be here. I'm excited to see what we're gonna get into. Usually, we would have a a, a new co-host now introduce the hotline, but y'all, we've proven. We can't have nice things.
3: (laughs) Yeah. No. So if anyone has left a message on the hotline, we're not gonna get to it because (laughs) we're shutting that shit down starting today. With
2: being retired. retired. Yes. We would a moment of silence for the uh, the mighty, mighty hotline. No more special announcements. no more big announcements. Anything like that. No.
3: You can no longer get a hold of us. We don't wanna hear from you. We don't wanna talk to you.
0: (laughs) 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 We we were the only podcast to have one for all yes. this time, and now it's shut down. So it's
2: a thing of the past. Now we don't really need one. This is, I think that's the point. It was a crutch. It carried us for a little while, and now we've outgrown it. You know, We don't need a hotline anymore.
3: I feel like this is a very sad day for Jamal.
2: Yeah, well, I don't think he's listening, but if uh, oh, <laughs> somebody somebody <laughs> send him a, a message, let him know. Actually, on the non-existent hotline,
0: from now on will be like 15 messages from Jamal. Right,
2: exactly. Totally. Extolling the virtues of the hotline. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Well, so we will be uh we'll be retiring the hotline, so no more of that. It was fun while it lasted. But because of that, I mean obviously this is a brand new day. This is a brand new episode, this is a brand new chapter. As you said, Matt, basically things are gonna be a little different around the Heretic Happy Hour podcast. This is a great opportunity for us to do things like retire old stuff that really wasn't working anymore, maybe change up our format a little bit. So we're excited about that. I mean, this is really an opportunity to have, in many ways, a brand new podcast. Not just new co-hosts, but new, again, new format, new bits, new ways we're going to do things. So I'm not sure we have it all figured out. If we have, no one's told me. I guess we should discuss or announce some of those things that are going to be different going forward.
3: Yeah, well, we'll we'll start by saying... One thing that'll stay the same, we will, although we won't have one on this show, we will continue to have Heretics of the Week. Yeah, We've already recorded some some interviews with folks coming down the pike. And so that's going to continue. We look forward to having new voices and people that we haven't met yet, maybe bring back some old friends and yada, yada, yada. So we will be keeping that. I'll, I'll just say that one thing that will change, especially on my end, is you'll probably hear a little less from me during the main shows. 'm oh wait hold on. Wow. Um, wow. <laughs> this is this will be my last episode folks no um <laughs> I just can't handle keith anymore uh, no i'm gonna step more into a producer role and uh we it's so it's definitely gonna be a lot lo, a lot less male energy uh, although I'll be. A little more behind the scenes, but I'll still be here. So fear not for those who, for those who don't like me. I'm sorry. For those who do like me, I'm sticking around, Mm -hmm. Um, but it's going to be more in a producer capacity. But that being said, we will have one specific bit. Uh, that we will kind of be replacing the hotline with, which will be Matt's stoned thoughts. So I'm going to come up with some crazy thoughts uh, after maybe smoking a little bit of my favorite herb. And then I will open the floor to y'all to discuss it. So I'm not going to tease out exactly what that's going to be, but I've got some interesting thoughts to throw out there that I think will kick off wonderful conversations between the four of y'all.
2: Yeah, that sounds fun. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds really cool.
3: We'll see how long that bid can go for.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. We'll <laughs> we have to retire that one. So yeah, things will be a little bit different uh, in that capacity. And again, so Matt is still here, and we will still hear from Matt uh, in episodes going forward, just not as much. And again, that was an adjustment that Matt volunteered for, just to be server Windows that wasn't. We're, we're not like pushing them off the corner there.
3: That was no, that was King's idea. He wanted. No, it less was not. That. <laughs> <laughs> No, it was not.
0: So all of the all, all the nice sounds that you hear throughout an episode, any yes. anything that we say that's too off-color and just can't make it into the episode, that's all thanks to Matt. Like Matt edits yeah. all of that and makes us all sound beautiful and gives us funny sound bites. So thank you, Matt, for having done that and continuing to do it.
3: Yeah. Well, yeah, I... I... Well, maybe possibly be editing right now. We do have an editor, but I, um, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. And this is this has all been organic. Yeah. So this was not planned. When we, you know, just a little bit of behind the scenes, how the, you know, how the podcast is made. When we talked about new co-host, we talked about Shonda. We talked about December. We interviewed both of them. We did some. We did uh, two recordings, one with each. And both were wonderful, and then we thought, based on that, like what about why not why not bring both of them on and so it kind of it kind of evolved organically, yeah. and, which is kind of in the spirit of the show this whole the whole podcast developed organically, started organically, we kind of stumbled into it, and so it's kind of you know almost five years later, keeping it or, five years later, right? yeah, yeah. exactly five yeah. years I later Christ. <laughs> it's been that long. Good Lord. Um, you know, we, we're keeping in that organic in in, in nature. And so it was like, well, how about I step back a little bit in the, you know, hosting part and give more, more space for two new hosts and see how that goes. Because I think the energy will be really, really good. Yeah. And really positive.
2: Yeah. And I'm glad, I'm glad you mentioned that part of it too, because that is, that is honestly the way we ended up with both Shonda and December is that we. We invited them. We were interested in them, and uh, and we auditioned both of them. Like you said, we recorded entire episodes that probably no one will ever ever hear, except maybe on Patreon. I know we should talk about that. Maybe we should. Maybe that would be fun. Drop, drop that into Patreon. But uh, anyway, we, we just said, "Hey, let's just pretend we're going to record an, uh, an episode for real." And we auditioned both of them, and they both were amazing. I think they was on the same topic. So we kind of got to see how they both would address the same topic.
4: Wait, now you do have to post them because I want to hear December's. Yeah. We're talking about the same thing. That's awesome.
2: Yeah.
3: Well then was, I I would be remiss not to mention Patreon, patreon.com slash heretic happy hour. <laughs> we'll post them in there for them. There if you, you go. want access to that, subscribe.
2: Yeah. And they were really, it was so good. We literally could not pick between, you know, both of them. So it was like, uh, well, I don't know who said it, it might have been Matt, like, why not both? And uh, that's what led us to this day. So we're super excited to have two amazing co-hosts. So Shonda and December, thank you both so much and very excited. That's so awesome.
1: I know, one thing. I'm just excited to be a part of the crew. I'm part of the Cool Kids Club, the Heretics. <laughs> <laughs> Can we make that into a pillow, the Cool Kids Club? <laughs> <laughs>
4: It'll be my first, my first time to be in that club.
2: Let's do it.
4: <laughs> I'm just really excited y'all didn't pit two women of color against each other. I feel like that was a really good, good move. Well done.
2: Yeah. Yeah. There you <laughs> go. There you go.
0: I want to, I want to hear from both of you. So let's, um, let's just turn the mics over to both of you. I, I think we heard a little bit already, you know, kind of your, who you are, uh, the shows that you've been on. So, um, let's just hear a little bit more. Like what's, what's your take on the, on the show and what you, what you're hoping to bring to the show? What are your perspectives? Tell us what we've been missing out on all of this time.
1: I don't think you've been missing anything. You know, we evolve. We have people come. We have people go. We get new perspective. So we're just evolving into Miss Me and Shonda in December jumping on with you. So I'm just excited. Um, to be able to come to bring a perspective where I come from. I, I have a colorful past you know, I was raised a Jehovah's Witness. So there's that. And then my mother got out of that and we went into the Baptist church. And then um, I went through some trauma there and hence the book The Church Can Go to Hell, you know, all up through there. And then um, I became a pastor, which is a miracle in and of itself considering all that I witnessed in the church. So I pastored two churches for the better part of 10 years. Stepped out of that in 2020 before I released the book The Church Can Go to Hell because I was like, you know what? I don't know know. if I could stand in the pulpit and put this book out here. So anyways, I had to jump out of the pulpit. uh, At least I thought I did anyways. The pastor there now has like those books sitting there for anyone who comes up and shares that they've been hurt in the church, he gives that book to them. So I thought I had to leave before I put it out. Now the books are in residence at the church. (laughs) So um, besides all of that, I'm a poet, a spoken word artist, an author, as you already know, and just an overall lover of human beings. Um, And the more I evolve um, in my thought process and my faith, the more I'm just leaning into the love of God and that being my gospel. Like love is my gospel now. And I'm growing and evolving into that. And I love to be part of a group of folks that just have an open heart and an open mind toward faith and toward God, whatever he or she or it is um, to you all, and just happy to be in a place where that is encouraged. Um, And whenever it comes to religious discussions and topics and things like that, it can be so rigid and, you know, so, you know so much formality to it. So I love to be a part of something where it's just everything is everything is everything. All things are go. You know what I'm saying? Say what's on your mind. Say what's on your heart. Just put it out there. And where we might not always agree and that is celebrated and that's embraced. And I love that. You know, to be a part of a group of folks who just say, hey, this is what I believe. This is what I think. And um, that's accepted and that's celebrated and that's respected and nobody's put down or demeaned. And we can just talk about it and put it out there because nine times out of ten, there's somebody out there that's feeling like one or all of us and that will find um, some comfort in knowing that they're not alone in how they're thinking and feeling and what they're going through in their faith. So I'm just excited to be part of such an open-minded um, community. And I'm just bringing love, light, salt, and seasoning and all kind of stuff to the table. So, you know, for as far as I'm concerned, I'm just here to bring the love, to bring the laughter, to bring the light. And of course, we are gonna always sprinkle some hot sauce on there. So, you know, I love Jesus, but I cuss a little bit. And hopefully that's all right. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <Yes>. <laughs> oh, you're making me hungry with all the spices and and all that stuff, man.
1: <laughs> I'm a spicy girl. I'm a spicy girl. You know, I ain't missing no meals. They can't see me, but I'm thick. I know I probably sound thick on the radio. I'm thick, so you know, I bring I bring
4: the flavor. I bring the flavor to, to the to the table. Oh, that's amazing. I actually just saw a meme recently that said the five kind of kinds of women who will cause trouble, and it was. Number one, messy women. Number two, women who say sir a lot. Number three, women with thick thighs. Number four, women with big busts. Number five, women with big booties. And then number six was, but one through five, call me, y'all. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely of <on> the... <laughs> I, like, I like that list. <laughs> I, know, I, like that. I feel like I'm on that list. And also I'm like, and also call me. Uh, so yes. <laughs> my name is, as you've heard before, I'm Shonda. I'm super excited to like, honestly, for me, I'm like, all right. I already claimed all the rest of you as friends. And so now I get to claim December as a friend too. So that's the main agenda for me, uh, is getting to hang out with y'all. I gotta say, one of the things I love about this show, I'm gonna miss, I'm gonna miss the hotline because I loved hearing the stories of people who are on that journey with the Heretic Happy Hour, who are part of this community, who are growing and learning. And so I know there are other ways for people to continue to share those stories with each other. But to me, I've really been witness to what it means to not just have a podcast, but to be creating a community and a pathway and a journey for folks. And I'm super excited to be a part of that. Much like December, I don't see that there's a need to... I I don't think there's anything I'm replacing or changing, but I will say I'm a community organizer. In fact, I applied for a job one time. It was this organization that helped progressive pastors uh, deepen their commitment to justice. I applied to be the ED, and the person who was interviewing me said, so do you consider yourself a pastor who's also an activist or do you consider yourself an activist who's also a pastor? And I was like, oh, absolutely, I'm an activist who's also a pastor. And I did not get that job because they were like, that is the wrong order of things, right? Uh For me, um, that's really where I've always been at home. I think the ministry I did, and I did pastor a church for seven years, But even there, I kind of did it wrong because I helped them turn that into a nonprofit, right? Because I was like, but don't you want to be useful? And so I think I bring a lot of that, like, how do we take this connection to the divine and turn it into something that's going to, Heal our communities. That's going to transform our communities. That's going to transform us and create community. I think Jesus was a pretty good community organizer, and I think he cribbed most of his best material from Moses. So I feel like we're in a long line of organizers. Um, That's some of the some of the stuff that I'm going to be bringing into the space. Is in many ways continuing what y'all have been doing, but kind of saying, what does it look like on the ground for for us as regular folks to be living? these brilliant big ideas that we're talking about.
0: This is amazing. I can't wait. So I'm going to ask you both a really simple question because I know that this happens to you all the time because it happens to me all the time. Spell your names for us so that when people are writing in, they spell your names pseudo-correctly.
1: Well, my name is December Rose, and that is spelled D-E-S-I-M-B-E-R, and then Rose. And I don't know why my mother thought she would be extra special beyond just naming me after the month to screw up the name December. And so now <laughs> I like have to spend the whole rest of my life correcting people. But there it is, D-E-S-I-M-B-E-R, December Rose. The S's, I love it. S's
0: are beautiful.
1: Yes. Okay. I I receive it. I'm growing into my name. I'm 41, but I'm still growing into this name.
3: <laughs> I think I think she was just when when you get Googled by people and people look up your book and they get it right, you're going to be the only one that comes up. So I think she That's was right. looking out for you. That's so right.
1: I, look, I received, Thank you for that. Thank. Like, I didn't know. I don't think Google
4: existed when I was born. But you know what?
3: Maybe it was prophetic. <laughs> yeah, it was
4: prophetic. So there you go. <laughs> I love it. I feel like we could do an entire episode just on names, but my name is pronounced Shonda, and it's spelled S A N D H Y A, and the last name is Ja J H A. And just for the record, everyone, I'm Katie K A T Y. <laughs> Hold on, let me write that
2: down.
0: It's not I E. It's not Kathy. It's Katie with the Yeah.
2: There you go. Yes. Well, and I, I have to say, believe it or not, that keep is not spelled K-I-E-T-H. It's K-E-I-T-H. No one ever spells keep I-E. I know you learned that little thing in elementary school, I before E, whatever. No. I before E except in keep. It's
4: die. <laughs> that's how I was taught in school. Yeah, yeah. I'm I am E,
2: except in peace, Yes. Yeah. Yes. There you yes. go. See, that's the way it should be. Yeah.
3: Now there's a there's a meme where it's uh, there's this long sentence of all the E before I's, and it's it yes. kind of just blows apart the the English language is strange. It is, strange. it is.
2: Yeah. Well. Yeah. There used to be a you know not not that he's a great comedian but that guy Gallagher used to have a a whole routine about the English language and how screwed up it is. It was it was brilliant. That was actually really funny. I'm going to look that up. Yeah, go everybody go check that on YouTube. It's really good. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, we, we, we got to know a little bit about you both uh, as Heretics of the Week and, and on this episode so far. Uh, but one thing I wanted to ask is what are each of your opinions on the biggest challenges that we are facing? Either as a society, globally, or or in the church, if you want to get a little more granular?
1: I, I would say that the biggest challenge we're facing globally and in the church is we have a love problem. We just have a love problem. Um, I was on a podcast a couple of weeks ago and I was asked, you know, what is the issue with the church? If there is an issue, what do you think is the issue? Um, I would say the church has a love problem. And so does the world. If you're looking at everything in the world, we're so divided, everything is so uh, polar polarized by either politics, ideologies, religion, whatever the case, if it's about guns or even abortion rights and all this kind of stuff. And um, if you're looking out through the lens of the news and the different things like that, and whatever the sound bite is of the day, it would seem like we are everybody's on opposite worlds of everything but I don't believe, I, I really don't believe that. I believe that all the negative stuff and all the division gets more, it's more amplified and it gets more pressed because negativity just has a way of getting more pressed and getting more attention. Negativity is just more, it's just louder and it projects further and whatever the case. But I believe we have more in common than, than not that we can see more common ground than than there, you know, it just doesn't get as much attention. So I think we just have a love problem. That's the biggest issue because when you don't love your brother or your sister, like yourself, then you do things like annex a whole part of a country or or bomb, you know, a school or stuff like that. When you don't love your brother or your sister like yourself, then you, you you will enter into a school and shoot up a bunch of kids. You know, rest in peace, all the children that have and families that have suffered that over the past couple of years in this country that it's seeming like it's the 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 pulse of that is getting greater and greater, like contractions, you know, where it, at first it's every couple of hours and then every couple of minutes and you know, and this just seems like there's something every couple of weeks now. Um, but when you don't love your brother and sister like you love yourself. You know, you you there will be hate crimes against Asian Americans because you're blaming them for covid or you or against African Americans because you're blaming them for poverty or whatever the case is. When you don't love your your brother and sister like yourself, you will try to restrict other people from having rights that you have. So you will say to them, "I don't think you ought to be able to get an abortion because this is the way I believe and I want the government to enforce the bible." You know, and at the same, out of one side of your mouth, you say separation of church and state. Now, the other side of your mouth, you want, the, you want the government to be the church and the state. And so there's so much hypocrisy and there's so much hate. And I think for me, that's the greatest thing. And it's it, to me, the saddest part about it is that hypocrisy and that hate, uh, it doesn't stop at the church doors. It's all up in the church, too. So you don't find any difference between the world and the church. It's still there, especially with a lot of the conservative evangelicalism. And, you know, I'm not going to make them the redheaded stepchildren of this, but it's just prevalent. And for me, that's it. There's a love problem everywhere. And wherever there's a love problem, there's a life problem. And so we're just dealing with some things going on in life that are, to me, the symptom of having a love problem. And that's my that's
4: my low two cents. I resonate with that a ton, December, because, uh, So I used to teach this class, my buddy B.K. Woodson and I used to teach a community organizing class at Allen Temple Baptist Church. Uh, And one time we got the students together, we broke them into two groups and we said, tell us what the root cause of injustice in our community is. And one group did a whole bunch of work and made a really good case for why the root cause of all of our major problems was greed And the other group came up with a really good case for why the root cause of all of the injustices we were facing in our community were related to fear. And as those two groups presented to each other, they were like, oh, your group's right also. And as we talked about it, we realized those are actually shadow sides of each other, that greed drives fear, that fear drives greed. And so yeah, I think There is a lot of money to be made out of teaching us to be afraid of each other. Uh, There is a lot of money to be made off of convincing us to compete against each other. And I also think that like those driving forces of greed and fear have an awful lot to do with those of us who want to see a better, a whole, a healed world to feel overwhelmed and disempowered. So it shuts down, like those those two forces of greed and fear shut down a lot of the energy that we have to bring to creating something different. It all feels like too much. The environmental crisis feels like too much. The gun violence crisis feels like too much. It all feels so daunting. I really think that those, those two forces end up being kind of like a smog that makes it hard to breathe, that makes it hard to engage. So to me, those are the big challenges in the world are the ways in which greed and fear play themselves out. But the great news is when you recognize that that's what's going on, when you recognize that's what's driving, what's in the papers and what's in uh, a lot of the internet, it gives you a chance to recognize when it's showing up so that you don't get con- completely consumed by it. So I actually think that being aware of the ways that greed and fear show up all the time can give us the strength to not just recognize it, but to not get consumed by it and to find a different way forward to create something new. Mm-hmm. I love it.
0: I'm just kind of pondering both of you say, have said, and um, December, when you were talking about, you know, we can't really love our, when we don't love our neighbors as And I was reflecting on how many people actually really hate themselves they don't love themselves, like when we don't love, love ourselves, then the reflection out there in the world is um, pretty, pretty damaging. It's pretty toxic. And I was just remembering once I was speaking with youth and we were talking about prayer and meditation, that kind of thing. And I said, well, who's the, you know, who's the first person you should pray for? And they named a whole host of people. I was like, no, it's yourself. And they all felt selfish, like guilty praying, praying for themselves. I thought, oh my gosh, what are we... And this wasn't even in a conservative Christian environment. This was in my later days, in a, in a more moderate to progressive Christian environment. And I know that the religious, you know, I know that in evangelicalism, um, especially for women, service to others is always emphasized before service to self. And so I'm um, just, res, you know, really, really resonating with that.
2: Very true. I don't know. Boy, I kind of feel like December, you nailed it. I mean... um, but I think the the other thing I see maybe it's more of a symptom of a lack of love. But the to me, it, I guess what it, it popped in my mind immediately with the question was um, that we are we're in this sort of us and them, you know, like I feel like America right now, and in the church as well. Like it's it's we're always being you know or like seeing the other as the, the the problem, right? Those people over there, and if we could just. Uh, eliminate them or change them or whatever then then the world would be a better place and that expresses itself in violence um and in many other ways right you see it played out uh all you know, every day in many different ways so yeah i feel like if there was a way we could get over that it's sort of like a if, if this duality this us and them mentality uh if we could recognize that we're actually more alike than we are separate, you know, we have a connection with God and with each other, that could maybe, again, that's more like a solution to the problem. But but again, I think it backs all the way up to love, like you were saying. So yeah, yeah, I, I would agree with that.
1: And what Shonda said, something that Shonda said about there's people that stand to gain from the fear mongering, Right. Look at the politicians from they'll say, oh, they're coming to get your guns. Da, da, da. They ain't came yet to get nobody's guns. They ain't coming to get nobody's guns. No, but every exactly. every every political season, that's the thing that comes up. The abortion thing comes up and that thing actually, you know, as finally after 50 years or whatever, they finally figured out how to do something about that. with packing in the court in whatever the case to turn that around and you know they've said that well we're not going to do that we're going to respect precedent da, 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 da. Uh-huh. you know all that <laughs> bullshit that they were saying and now they did exactly what they said that we're not going to do but there's people that stand to gain from that and they're not um, they, they either don't care or they're just being reckless or naive about what are the effects of that I don't know if y'all yeah. been watching the news y'all been seeing that the Muslim comedian Albuquerque has yeah. been yeah, they—they they like three men have been killed in 10 days.
2: So that's- Yeah, I just saw that yesterday, yeah.
1: Yeah, so, you know, what's going on? Who's going out? You know what I'm saying? And then there is a resistance to calling a spade a spade too, right? To mm-hmm. so not dealing with that. So whoever's doing that, if it was a Muslim gentleman that was out killing white folks, they were like, Oh, we got a terrorist. We got a, but whoever, I, I'm not here. They're that same fervent. They don't bring that same energy when it's the, you know what I'm saying? There's a right. terrorist going around shooting Muslim people right now. We, they don't, they don't right. got to figure out who it, you know what I'm saying? And it just the bias, the bias that's there and the division that's there and how that plays out in society. It's so detrimental, you know. It it, it could be if you're not careful, if you don't keep your joy up and keep it joyful and maintain peace within yourself and under, and find things to love and things to be happy about. Watching the news and looking at how this world is going could really bring you down, you know. Yeah. So you you know you got to really work overtime these days to to stay up and stay high and stay vibrating on a high level, um, mm-hmm. because that that love that love problem is seeping into everything, everything, every fabric of society.
3: Yeah, I um, I guess I guess for me the question, well, when we when we put it in our notes and decided what we're going to talk about, I was thinking about it, and unfortunately, uh, the the thing that came to mind was like our our climate crisis, our eco our eco- ecological problem, and unfortunately, we are such. I don't know if it's our capitalistic society, if that's too reductive. But we're not going to do shit about the climate until we financially gain from it.
2: Yeah, yeah. And, we'll and, save and ourselves. That, we'll we'll save ourselves if there's money to
3: be made from it. <laughs> so and I was thinking about that, like, so, so I don't think, I, I don't think we will. I, I think that we're in such a. I, I try to be hopeful, but I look around. I'm like, we don't seem to be addressing the climate crisis. I mean, hell. A good percentage of the country doesn't even admit that there is one, right? Um, and then, and then the rest of us, we, we barely, and, and I try to, I try to use us language rather than, well, politician. I mean, it's, yes, a lot of politicians, lobbyists, corporations, but we don't, I don't think we see how catastrophic it could be. I don't think we see how we are in honestly the 11th hour when it comes to that. And, just to still be in a place where the only thing that'll get us off our ass is if we could put some zeros in our bank account so if if we you know if if it's if it's financially feasible to to go green or whatever and 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 I know i know i've 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 been i've gotten in trouble for this before when I've said that it takes privilege to go organic or to go green and this and that like if you gotta. I had a a beater ass car like until recently, and it's like I can't I can't get a an all electric. I can't afford it, right? It's really expensive to 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 do your part, but it's like there's got to be something that happens where something wakes us out of our slumber to realize just how up against it we are, and it's got to be something other than like you know our financial capitalistic gain and. But a part of me thinks that there's, you know, we have to we have to change the game a little bit and and make it financially feasible, uh, viable or beneficial for us to to uh, you know fight the climate change uh, you know that's that's happening because that's just the way we are that's just, that's just the way it is like it has to there has to be some sort of economic gain and it sucks to say that but that's just the way it is it seems.
0: Yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with making, um, you know, something as serious as climate change win, win, win. Sure. For everyone, right? Like, yes, let me, let some people make money on it, reduce cost, let let other, let people who normally couldn't afford an electric car find a way to buy an electric car. But so I'm reflecting now, I've been in, I've lived in Europe for one year, like one year and a week now. And, uh, one thing my spouse and I were commenting on recently is, gosh, we do not miss people just yelling at each other on the news like that doesn't happen over here nearly as much. So the United States somehow just loves like that conflict, like December was talking about, just loves the um, yeah, pitching people against each other. And that it's not that people don't disagree over here. They do. They just sort of do it politely, <laughs> um, at least in the in public spaces. And the climate crisis is being addressed in sort of what I think are creative ways. I haven't dive, dove too, too deep into it, but I just hear commercials all the time, like, our goal is this, we're going to get this many cars off the off the roads, we're going to get this many electric, I encourage people to um, do simple things at home. And so there's not this, and it's also not a politicized thing in Europe, right? So it's not a, you, you must be a Republican or a Democrat to be on a side of an issue, which I find bizarre. I found it bizarre I've found it bizarre in the in the US my whole life, or that it becomes a, a religious issue too. I've always found bizarre. So like I wonder how all those things can kind of come together and, and win 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 for us, for the planet, for everyone.
4: Well and I I appreciate you naming that because I do think that um we've been told that it's a political issue here, but I I'm an NPR nerd. I, I'm only vaguely apologetic for that. And I was just listening to uh, an interview with a climate scientist who said one of the things that is frustrating him so much right now is um, the Koch brothers, who are an incredibly financially uh, strong powerhouse in this country, they write talking points against environmental change. And he sees the Department of the, well, maybe not the Department of the Interior, but the Department of Energy, under a Democratic administration, quoting those talking points when they say, here's what we're not going to change. And so there's this, I've been taught that it's a part, partisan issue, and I'm choosing the side of the people who care about the environment. But actually, who's actually calling the shots? Are the people who are well resourced. And it's happening regardless of who's in charge. And that's terrifying to me. Um, so I think when we think about what needs to happen to affect change, it's going to require, and I think I think, Matt, you're alluding to this, it's going to require us coming together uh, across all of these false divisions December that you were talking about to recognize how many of us are in this together, because we keep hearing there are a lot of people opposed to it. The percentages are not that high. they just get a lot of attention because Katie, as you're pointing out, people in this country think that we need to hear two opposing voices on anything, even when say, 80, 85% of the country feels one way. We have the sense of we need to give each side 50% of the time. And I, I know you're not saying we should stifle marginalized voices. That's not what I'm trying to get at so much as there are a lot of issues out there, including things like the climate crisis, where most of us are on the same page, but we're given this narrative that, you know, these forces uh, that we're up against are too big. I I think... I think we are at the eleventh hour, but we're not at the twelfth. And I think we have opportunities to faithfully bring together and unite communities around this issue that we all care about.
2: Yeah, that's a great point. I think you know it used to be that I mean, theoretically, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how much is this true, but I mean, theoretically, uh, you know, you would elect a representative to to Congress or to the Senate. And their job was to represent the, the, uh, you know, the interests of their constituents, right? So really they're more like, Hey, I've talked to them. I spent time with them. I live among them. These are the things that they're concerned about. And I'm going to take these things now to Washington and I'm going to advocate on their behalf. And, And, but it's been flipped around to it's the, it's not that at all. Now it's the political parties telling everybody in the party, here's what we think about that. Here's what we should believe about that. And then people just line up to that. Oh, okay, well, if I'm a Democrat, I have to believe this. Oh, if I'm a Republican, I have to believe this. Uh, and if I don't believe that, well, then I'm, I'm not really, you know, a good Republican or a good Democrat. And it's this um cart pulling the horse kind of a thing now. And then really, then like you said, Shonda, behind all of that is actually people with a whole lot of money and resources who have a vested interest in making sure that things go a certain way uh, and you're right, the fact that you can see it uh, consistent no matter who is in, no matter which one, which party is in power in the White House. Uh, like one example that popped to mind was several years ago when Michelle Obama came out with this program for um, to like reduce obesity in children. And I can't remember the name of the program, but she did a big press conference at the White House and she had this whole thing. And one of her main, main talking points was for kids to eat less sugar. Because, I mean, the science is that that's one of the reasons why we have all this sugar and, you know, all of our food has so much sugar in it. And within six months, uh, she changed that message because all these people that were part of like the sugar industry, all the food manufacturers, uh, strongly impressed upon her to emphasize exercise, uh, not stop, don't demonize sugar. So keep, you know, keep drinking your soda, keep drinking, you know, eating all these foods that have lots and lots of, process sugar in it. Just exercise. But the, the science is you could exercise until you're dead. You will never exercise enough to counteract the amount of sugar you're, you're taking in. And that's just one example. Yeah. Recon- recognizing that, that that's really what's going on. You know, we, we I, I, I don't know. I don't want to get on the soapbox, but we don't really have a government by the people, for the people, and of the people. We have, uh, we have, a, a, an interest group that has a lot more power and influence and money that kind of gets their way. You know, when we're talking about
0: ecology, I was—I was just thinking. I, you know, I have quite a few people in my circle who think that the world is, you know, whatever six thousand years old, and that there's not a climate change. That this is natural cycle of, of warming and cooling, et cetera. Uh, but this—tell me if this is right in y'all's experience. This seems to boil down, like when we're talking about Bible, to uh, the verse in Genesis two about God giving dominion or stewardship of humans to the earth. And so dominion people are all like, no, we can do what we want. Like fossil fuels are good. Um, stewardship people tend to be, oh, we, need to, we need to exercise a little care and caution. But I think that mindset um, applies to like almost any issue that we can and have and we'll talk about here, uh, about women, about marginalized folk, about animals, about like the, the mindset of dominion versus stewardship or relationship with. Um, does that seem on target or is, there, is that not, not quite nuanced enough?
3: Right. It it seems accurate.
1: I would say it's accurate. I, I have always thought about in the, in the idea of dominion, just because of that one scripture that says, "You shall be fruitful and multiply and have dominion over the earth." But I do believe it's stewardship. If you look at uh, everything in the scripture in Genesis, the way that you know uh, they they moved and operated, I would say it was stewardship. And as we, the more we know, we if we know better, we should do better. And so we didn't know hundreds of years ago how methane gas might affect the ozone layer and this, that. But we know now. If we knew when cars were being built how uh, the exhaust would pollute the air, maybe they would have built a different, okay, but they did what they knew. And now we know, though. So now there's these emissions uh, laws in place and there's smog control and there's all these different things that are put into place based on what we know. And so the way that we're headed right now is we're not – we're not doing what we know based on what we know. We're not doing what we should based on what we know. We know these things are happening. And I don't know how we got into a climate change. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but we, we, we know these things are happening. What are we going to do about it? You know what I'm saying? There's things that we put in place. And um, and uh, uh, Keith said something a little, a, a little bit ago about, it used to be that when you elected folks that they represented, um, they go to, to, to Congress, they go to the House of Representatives or whatever the case is, they go to the Senate and they represented the districts, the people, the demographic or whatever that voted them in. We're finding out more and more, but that's not the case that folks get in there and they do whatever the hell they want to do. I mean, look at Manchin, look at Cinema, and I'm not going to just harp on them too much, but you know, Kirsten Cinema, they passed the, uh, Inflation Reduction Act or whatever it is they're calling it now. and But she said, I'm not going to do it unless you take that interest loop, that tax thing, you take that out and then I'll do it. And it makes you wonder, like, you know, this woman will have meetings with these lobbyists and with these corporations and stuff, but she won't have a town hall. She's not mm-hmm. going to have a town hall. She's not trying to yeah. hear from her voters. She's not trying to hear from her constituents. But she'll have meetings with all these other folks. And it just makes you wonder sometimes, you know, how how much representation really is there
4: at the end of the day? Who's really been represented? And I love, I love what you're saying, December, because um, what I've been thinking about, you know, Katie, as you raised that question around dominion versus stewardship, is around the question of accountability. And I know y'all have heard me say this before, and I'm going to keep saying it. It is, it is so important for us to recognize who the cultural context of who wrote the Bible, right? Like, I have you've jokingly heard me say, you know, it is an Asian text and that matters because what's implicit in that for me is it is written by and for a people who are oriented around external accountability. And I think that that's incredibly important to remember as we look, particularly at the Genesis text, because external accountability, I think the reason I'm thinking about that is I just finished reading this book, I cannot recommend it enough, called Braiding Sweetgrass. Uh, It was written by an indigenous, uh, she's botanist, a scientist, and she's also active in her spiritual tradition as an indigenous person. And she talks about the water and the plants and the animals as fellow citizens. So Keith when you're talking about accountability to fellow citizens she's reminding us that the maple trees are our fellow citizens. What me, what does it mean if we are engaging the plants in our community as our neighbors as people that as 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 who we're accountable to. And to me, that's a part of what's going on in Genesis that we miss because most of us have been trained to read the Bible through the lens of the empire that took over the Bible. And I'm not even getting into white supremacy. I'm talking about the Roman Empire, which is long before we had a construct of whiteness. But when you read it through the lens of empire, of course, this notion of dominion shows up because that was what that was their game. That was what they were in all of this for. Um, But if we go back and I know I'm oversimplifying and I'm always embarrassed to do that in front of scholars, but um, when we go back to what does it mean to be in a cultural context that was externally oriented, I think that changes the way we see our relationship to the land. And I think that that matters spiritually for us. Yeah.
0: And it was, um, it's Genesis. I said Genesis two earlier. It's Genesis one. Uh, as soon as December quoted it, I realized my error. Um, and if, Maybe my problem with growing plants in my house is that I try to have dominion and that I don't (laughs) steward them because... I just murdered them. I just murdered a couple of herbs. <laughs> I cannot keep them alive. So maybe I just need to switch my thinking here. Maybe I have an empire uh, mindset over them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Why yeah. did I just get like a visual in my head of like going into a confessional booth, like in the Catholic Church? And the, and the guy says, You know, what can I do for you, my child? You like, forgive me <laughs> if I have sinned. And well, what did you do? I murdered some I herbs. I murder my- <laughs> 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 just murdered some herbs. <laughs>
4: Yeah. The church
0: that I served on my final Sunday, they were so sweet. And they gave me this beautiful plant with like, it had a big thing in the center and then it had all these little seeds and these like pockets on the edge. So it would like grow, you know, and be this beautiful flowering thing. And um, I think it was also a surprise to the senior pastor because he apparently leaned over and whispered to his kid, to one of my youth, oh, Katie murders class. <laughs> and sure enough, yeah. that thing didn't last a month in my house. <laughs> Yeah, so it's supposed to represent all the children and the youth and all that. But poor thing.
3: Oh wow. <laughs> well, I'll just say as as someone who gardens a lot, if you think if you if you retrain your mind to think not about the plant but about tending to the soil, then it'll change your whole perspective because the plant will do what the plant does as long as you tend to the soil. So you don't need to dominate and murder your plant. I just imagine you strangling a plant. <laughs> um, <laughs> <it> you dies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if your soil is good, then your plant will be good. Um, but before we land this lovely podcast, I would be curious, December and Shonda, uh, we probably, Katie probably asked something similar to this or, or uh, in your interview. I, I don't recall. It's been a couple months in my memory. Well, it wasn't not on December's interview,
0: sadly. So,
3: Oh, well, I know maybe this wasn't the So uh, maybe maybe a two-part or interpret it how you will, but who is God or what is God and who is Jesus to you today? And I'll let whoever wants to decide to answer that first.
1: Shonda's going first.
3: (laughs) All right, there you go. December's going to decide who goes first.
4: (laughs) Um. You know, I gotta say, I'm I'm a liberationist, and the thing that's well kept a uh, well kept secret about liberationists is a lot of us have a pretty orthodox theology, and so for me, God still uh, God continues. I I never got on board with process theology. I recognize that means I'm way behind, but um, to me, God still remains a, a powerful force in. Uh, in the world. And I still have that relationship with the divine. Although these days, I understand God as more participatory through nature. Maybe I am more of a process theologian than I want to admit. I can't remember if you all have done, an, you've have you done episodes on process theology? I can't remember. Not while I've been here. Okay, maybe, so not. maybe not. Let me just define a term real quick, and then we're going to do a series on process theology because the best womanist theologians are doing process right now. So we're going to have to talk about it at some point. All right. Uh, the process theology is this notion that God isn't an external divine power so much as God is present in the midst. God is, as Marjorie Suhaki says, the whispered word. And so God and humanity are in this participatory relationship where God is offering guidance, but we engage God and God responds based on our response and that there's a little bit of a dance going on Gosh darn it, I am embarrassed to admit I might be a process theologian after all because that sounds really good to me. That's my relationship to God. We're going to have to process that more as we go on. Um, and Jesus has been my best friend since I was three years old. Uh, I grew up in an interfaith household. I grew up with a deep love of my Hindu roots as well as my Christianity. But my relationship with the church is certainly a complicated one. My relationship with Jesus has never really been that. So I'm I'm pretty boring when it comes to Jesus, although yeah, I've got so many friends from seminary who are going to make fun of me for the fact that I ended up being in the process camp. Let's talk about that more sometime.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, for for me, um, I continue to evolve in what I think about God and Christ, but one thing that is sustained is that I be, I personally believe in God as my source, as the source of my strength as a source of my joy, as a source of peace that surpasses all understanding. For all the stuff that I don't agree with in the Bible and all the uh, stuff that I can't seem to get with all the time, there is most of it that I can take. I take the the scripture as eat the meat and throw away the bones type of thing. But for the most part, God is is my source. He's my power source. I don't understand. I, I accept. I receive and I celebrate everyone and I respect everyone's thought process and their faith. But I personally don't understand how someone could be an atheist. I understand maybe how they got there or whatever the case. But my personal experience and the things that I've encountered and the testimonies that I have of miraculous things that happened in my life. And um, it's just hard for me to wake up every day and look at the world for all the wickedness and stuff that's going on in it, for all the beauty and stuff that there is, to wake up and look at my children and hear the laughter of my kids and to say a prayer and have that prayer answered. And I understand that some people's prayers have not been answered. I get that. But there, I've had too many encounters with God to, to, to not believe in him. And I understand there's a lot of people that go through deconstruction and they deconstruct themselves completely away from God all the way clean into atheism. I'm not that person. I am not that person because I've had too many encounters with what I consider God. I've had too many spiritual encounters. I'd have too many, quote, prophecies over my life that have come true. I've had too many things to happen to me that are inexplicable, either medically or otherwise. And so I believe that God is real. I do believe that Christ is His Son, and that He is my Savior, if you if you want to put it like that. I'm still I'm processing through that. I don't know what process theology is, but I could identify with some of the stuff you were saying. So I'm probably up in there somewhere, but (laughs) you know. So I I'm continuing to evolve toward. Uh, the God that I believe in. And what I am finding though, is the closer I get to God, the further I get away from organized religion. That is one thing that I'm finding out. But the more that I learn about God, the more I love him and the more I feel loved and the more I'm able to love others. And I believe if that's not what's happening on the other side of your faith, then we probably don't serve the same God. Because the more I know about him, the more I love him, the more I love myself and the more I love others. And if that's not the manifestation of faith, then I will know what faith is. So that's me. That's me. That's what I believe. That's what I got going on. Wow.
3: Love it. Yeah. Love it. Well, this has been fun. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to what we can come up with and what this podcast is going to, this podcast is going to become a process. Theology, right? <laughs> we're, we're all in process. It's going to, it's going don't, to, I don't know what it's going to look like, but I'm glad you are all here with us. Before we before we sign off and move on and let you lovely listeners go about your day, I just want to remind everyone that we do have a website. I've, I've said it before and I'll say it again. And on that website, we have a bunch of books and our bookstore from our uh, former Heretics of the Week. You can get about 15% off. If you go to heretichappyhour.com, Check out that site. Go check out the bookstore. Save some money on some books and and get to reading.
0: Tell us what books you pick up uh, in our free Facebook group, Heresy After Hours, totally free. We have a couple of thousand heretics in there. They're asking really fun questions, um, really great jokes, really great memes, lots of food for thought. Uh, So we'd love to see what you're reading from the
2: bookstore. Uh, Join Heresy After Hours and post it there. And if you support us on Patreon, let me just say... Love you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your support. Uh, it means a whole lot to us. If you don't yet support us, well, we can fix that. Go to patreon.com dot slash heritage happy hour, sign up and support us on a monthly uh, basis, and you will unlock so many amazing goodies, including uh, the secret uh, never released uh, <laughs> episodes uh, that we recorded with uh, December and with Shonda uh, in their in their auditions. And many, many other cool things. So go over there and check that out. And uh, thank you all, all of you that do support us. Thank you so much.
1: All right. And listen, for all of you, those that are catching this podcast, wherever you get it, hopefully you are over there on iTunes and you will give us a review. We can use those reviews, look good, bad and ugly, but just make it good. Okay. Just we ain't doing nothing to hurt your feelings. If we offended you, we didn't do it on purpose. At least, not most of the time. And so, you know, give us a good five star rating. Ain't gonna hurt none. Help a help a brother and a sister out. Okay, go over to iTunes and give us a good review. We'd appreciate it. Thank you, and God bless you.
0: (laughs) All right. I feel like we should tell people what that episode was about because that might pique their interest. We discussed Paul.
3: We did. More incentive for Patreon. Yes. So somewhere in the sympathy, middle. Sympathy for Paul.